Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 100 Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into her presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is she that made us, and we are hers. We are her people and the sheep of her pasture. Enter her gates with thanksgiving, and her courts with praise. Give thanks to her. Bless her name. For the Lord is good. Her steadfast love endures forever, and her faithfulness to all generations. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 14 through chapter 10, verse 2. Then the Lord will appear over them, and his arrow will go forth like lightning. The Lord God will sound the trumpet and march forth in the whirlwinds of the south. The Lord of hosts will protect them, and they shall devour and tread down the slingers. They shall drink their blood like wine, and be full like a bowl, drenched in the corners of the altar. On that day the Lord their God will save them, for they are the flock of his people. For like the jewels of a crown they shall shine on his land. For what goodness and beauty are his? Grain shall make the young men flourish, and new wine the young women. Ask rain from the Lord in the season of the spring rain, from the Lord who makes the storm clouds who give showers of rain to you, the vegetation in the field to everyone. For the teraphim utter nonsense, and the diviners see lies. The dreamers tell false dreams and give empty consolation. Therefore the people wander like sheep. They suffer for lack of a shepherd. Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 38. From Miletus he sent a message to Ephesus, asking the elders of the church to meet him. When they came to see him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the entire time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, enduring the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. I did not shrink from doing anything but help, doing anything helpful, proclaiming the message to you and teaching you publicly and from house to house as I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus. And now, as a captive of the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and persecutions are waiting for me. But I do not, I do not count my life of any value to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the good news of God's grace. And now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will ever see my face again. Therefore I declare to you this day that I am not responsible for the blood of any of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock, of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God that he obtained with the blood of his own Son. I know that after I have gone, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Some, even from your own group, will come distorting the truth in order to entice the disciples to follow them. 
Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to warn everyone with tears. And now I commend to you, commend you to God and to the message of His grace, a message that is able to build you up and give you inheritance among all who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or clothing. You know for yourselves I worked with my own hands to support myself and my companions. In all this, I have given you an example. By such work, we must support the weak, remembering the words of Lord Jesus. For he said, for he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. There was much weeping among them. They embraced Paul and kissed him, grieving especially because of what he had said, that they would not see him again. Then they brought him to the ship. Good morning and welcome to the 8th Tuesday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 100, Zechariah 9, and Acts 20. And Acts 20 is kind of like the the last hurrah for Paul before the troubles begin that lead him to to finally go to Rome to be tried uh, before the emperor. Um, and a, the nutshell version is um, in Acts 21, he's, um, I think he's in Jerusalem preaching when um, the, a bunch of Jews like grab him up and take him to the local procurator, um, uh, Claudius Lysias. And they say, hey, you know, very similar to Jesus, they say, you know, he's teaching lies and blah, blah, blah. And Lysias is like, that's not my problem. Um, I've examined everything he said, and like he hasn't broken any Roman laws, so get bent, kind of. Um, but 20, he kind of sees it coming. He knows that everywhere he goes, he's being persecuted, that uh, people are attacking him, and uh, both Jews and Greeks, frankly. Um, and so uh, that's why there are all these you know, these tears and there's much weeping among them all um, because they know something's coming, that there's only so much they can do to to stall the inevitable, which is that, you know, someone's going to get him, put him on trial, and maybe execute him like they did Jesus. Um, but there's this one line in there uh, that kind of stands out, um, and that is um, in verse 26, he says, I declare to you this day, I'm not responsible for the blood of any of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Um, and it's, it, it almost sounds like, I don't know, like accusatory or like defensive or something. Um, and what he's saying when he says, I'm not responsible for the blood of any of you, um, it's a callback to the prophets. I want to say Ezekiel, um, that... May, you know, it's kind of, the the strongest part is, I think, in Ezekiel, might be Zechariah. Um, and it basically says something like, um, declare your brother's sin to them, and if you don't, then you're just as much as fault and you'll burn in hell too. Um, and it's been kind of abused, um, or I'll, I'll say misused. I'm sure it has been abused, but... I think it's been misused a lot to justify basically proselytization. Like, oh, I do have an interest in your salvation because if I don't tell you, 
I could go to hell. Um, and so it can justify forms of proselytization or conversion or whatever that are, frankly, you know, just kind of messed up. Um, but the point is, and I don't know if it comes up in the Jewish trials or not, but um, the point is, look, you're supposed to help your your brother and your sister out. Um, and that if you see them in sin or if you see them in trouble, then you have a responsibility to um, to kind of to help them out. Um, and in within the context of ancient Israel, um, you know, they also were really clear, well, there's this tradition that's, that stands out in uh, ancient Israel of like purity. You know, don't intermarry, um, don't let the other, you know, your, the surrounding people um, deceive you into worshiping these other gods. Um, and that's still important, but the the purity piece um, is one of those things that Jesus really challenges pretty directly. Um, that it's not about purity, it's about justice. Um, and that purity is no good if it doesn't accompany justice. Um, and the you, know, you can kind of sense the impulse there of like sin it endangers your eternal soul, right? Um, and if I saw a friend or family member with you know a rabid uh, wolverine uh, clenched onto their arm, I'd be like, "Oh, hey, you're going to lose a lot of blood, and maybe an arm. Let me help you out." Uh, and if they if they say no. Um, you know, I'm like, are you, are you insane? But this is the nature of sin. We believe, Christians and Jews, that to violate our relationship with God endangers our eternal soul. And so, especially if there's someone else who says they're a believer and they're engaging in sin, it behooves us to reach out to them and tell them, if we don't, their blood, we are responsible for their blood, Right? That's a way of saying, look, you are responsible for your brothers and sisters. You are their keeper. You know, don't pull a cane and be like, uh, hey, to each his own. You know, I'm a libertarian. That's not what the Christian faith, at least, is about. Um, the, the other side of that coin, how that can be abused or misused, is to, you know, to, to take it, and this was certainly the case in the Middle Ages, and um, you know, when the, the church had much more power than it needed, um, and it's still alive today. Um, the when that is that same impulse is taken to non-believers or people we don't really know. Oh well, if you don't convert them, if you don't save them from sin, it's your own fault, or you know, you share a part of the of the fault. Um, and so there are two things, or at the very least. One thing that this kind of passage talks about is this is for, this is an internal instruction, right? It's not about conversion or proselytization. It is about when we see someone who is a member of our faith community, we know they're a member. You know, there's no question. And we see them doing something, adultery, theft, uh, immorality, or, you know, abuse, or fill in the blank. When we see that, and we don't say something, we share that responsibility. Not guilt, but responsibility. 
Um, and here, Paul is saying, look, I've told you everything, and this is why he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. I gave you everything I knew, every, you know, every tool, tactic, resource that I have uh, to follow God and to be God's, uh, you know, to be in relationship with God, you have. I told you everything I can to keep you from sin, to keep you from trouble, to keep you from uh, depravity and, and uh, everything else. Um, and so I'm not responsible for your blood. Paul is saying, um, I've, I've given you every ounce of help I can in this life of faith that we call Christianity, or we call Christianity today, and he didn't then. Um, he's, he's done all that he can, and he isn't like wiping his hands like Pilate. He's using it as a way of saying, I'm, you know, I'm one of you. I have an interest in, uh, in defending your souls, um, in, in helping you understand this life of faith that we, that we are, um, journeying on. Um, and unfortunately that, that impulse is, you know, kind of cuts both ways. It can be abused and misused, uh, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't wipe away the fact that we are responsible for one another. Um, first and foremost, within those communities that we belong to. It's not just the church. Um, but, you know, that's what it means to be in community with people, is to share in the burden, the responsibility of, you know, its members and, and making sure that we are all, um, making sure that we all are, are on the right path and are doing things that ensure that, you know, uh, we are abiding by our group's convictions and commitments. Um, and so if it stands out, it, it, I, know, I thought it was kind of weird, um, and it would have been kind of, I don't know, if I had, you know, kind of thought about this other passage, which of course I can't remember where exactly it, it occurs, um, it just kind of comes off as weird. He's like having this emotional, uplifting goodbye, and then he's like, hey, I'm not responsible for you. And all your blood is like, it's your own. Like, I'm not responsible for it anymore. Um, but there's this deeper meaning there um, of Paul saying, look, I'm, I've done everything I can for you. Um, there's no more I can give. Um, your, your lives, your blood are now entirely yours. Um, I've, I've told you everything I've known or everything I know in order to make you the best people and the best Christians and the best community I can. Um, and now that community can stand on its own two feet, um, clear-eyed in in um, journeying along again this this life of faith that we call Christianity. A prayer for knowledge of God's creation from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, you made the universe with all its marvelous order its atoms, worlds, and galaxies, and the infinite complexity of living creatures. Grant that as we probe the mysteries of your creation, we, may, we may come to know you more truly and more surely fulfill our role in your eternal purpose. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation. 
where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with PewPewHQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.